to the Crosspoint Church Podcast. We are a church that is for the city in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. We are passionate about helping people become fully devoted followers of Jesus. So if you're just joining us for the first time, we would love for you to check out our website, thecrosspointchurch.ca. There you can find ways to connect with us and see what's happening at Crosspoint. Now, let's listen to this week's Sunday message. How's everybody's long weekend so far? The 30 was a scorcher, eh? Plus 36. Um, yeah, by the way, if you don't know who I am, my name is Kincaid. Um, I've been a crosspointer here for a, a, a while now. Um, and if you're join, you just joining us this morning, um, we, we are just closing out our summer solstice series. Um, and um, we'll be starting our new fall series next week because it is pumpkin spice season. Isn't it? I've had it once, I think, this year, and I'm, I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I've had my one, and I'm good. Um, but yeah, throughout the summer, I think many of us have gone on vacations, have heard stories of many of vacations. I wish I could have gone. Um, but I, um, yeah, we, I also tried to enjoy the sun with, our friends, with my friends and family. Um, this watch tan, I think it's a good, good thing that I'm like, okay, I, I tanned. I had a good summer. And it was, a, it was a hot summer this summer, so that, that was amazing. Um, some of us probably even t- took some time for ourselves, by ourselves, hopefully. Yeah, I hear some moves. Yeah, that's good. Um, and as we gear back to the fall season, as hot as it is today, um, and back to the regular routine of waking up er- early to get ourselves, and if you have kids, get them s- also out of bed, um, into the bathroom for at least some brushing of teeth, to the kitchen for food because food is so important and breakfast is the best meal of the day and out the door. Um, but I want to remind us one more time of who we are. And I love doing this. I love reminding Crosspoint of who we are. Crosspoint, we are the people of God, called by God to be one. But before all that, um, I want to acknowledge that today is not only Salsa Sunday, um, but it's also a one church gathering, which means that all ages will, um, will get to worship um, with us together in one space in the entire gathering. And so with that said, I want to acknowledge all the kids in the auditorium this morning. So if you're ages one, two, three, or five, um, can you raise your hand? Where's Havila? I want to see her hand raised. Okay, she's in there. If you're ages one, two, three, four, five, there's none of you? All right. Well, if you're here, oh, hi. Are you five? Almost. Oh, good. Okay, I'll take it. All right. So when, if you're ages one, two, three, four, five, I want you to shout the word hello as loud as you can when it, when it counts to three. One, two, three. Good. Hello. So um, I have a challenge for um, you guys today. Uh, You guys have a box, or you guys should have a box filled with different kinds of blocks. Uh, Look inside your box. Can you guys tell me? um, Are all your blocks the same color? Nope, they're different colors. Good. We're not colorblind either. That's good. All right. So are all your blocks the same shapes and sizes? Some of them are same, but not all of them, right? Not all of them, right? Right, so your blocks are all different, but I want you to use your blocks to make one 
to build one big tower. Can you guys do that for me? I'll be speaking for a little bit so you guys have time to make a big tower. So who thinks that they can build me the biggest tower out of the ages one to five? I'm looking just one direction because I'm like, I hear a four-year-old here. Yes? Okay, you have to show me after, okay? So those blocks are kind of like us at Crosspoint. Does everyone here look the same? Adults? No, not really. That's good. Um, And we're all different, but we are all part of one church. Now, if you are in, in grades one to six, raise your hand. Grades one, two, three, four, five, six. Are you also grade going to grade one, two, three, four, five, six? All right, so keep it up there. On three, I want you to shout the word unity. Ready? One, two, three. Good. You guys are better than my youth students. That's great. So that's the word I'm going to talk about today. Well, here's my challenge, my challenge for you grades one to six. In your box, you have a piece of paper that says, a cross pointer who doesn't look like me. That's what I want you to draw on your paper. Someone in the room, look at someone in the room who doesn't look like you. There's a lot of people that don't look like me here, except for my dad. He's here. He looks like me. Um, So when you finish your drawing, Pastor Delaney um, has put a giant piece of paper at the back of the room, and you can tape your portrait onto the paper afterwards. It's right there. Look, look at the colored paper. It's colorful. It's great. I love colors. Thank you, Pastor Delaney. So we're going to make a mural of all the people at Crosspoint. We may all look different, and we may all think differently, but we are all part of one church. And that's what unity means. So going back to everyone else in the room, if you're above grade six, I'm talking to you. You guys too, online, I see you. Before we disperse back into the business of our lives, once again, I believe that the Lord is wanting to remind us of our first identity. Before we are dads or moms, before we are husbands or wives, before we are teenagers, before we are ESFJs or INFPs, before we are business owners, before we are customer service reps, before we are stay-at-home parents, before we are college students, before we became all of that, we are first and foremost the children of God. Let me tell you a story. Uh, after graduating Bible College, I, I have a degree in, in theology, um, I found my identity in wanting to become a full-time pastor. Upon a few rejections from churches and positions that I have applied for, I became quite depressed. I'm like, well, I spent four years and in a lot of debt only to get nothing. It wasn't until a friend gently rebuked me and told me something that I will never forget that I sobered up. (laughs) He told me, Kincaid, uh, maybe God isn't looking for a worker. Uh, Maybe first and foremost, he is looking for a son. I liked it so much I put it as as my Facebook status. God isn't looking for another worker, he says. He's looking for a son. 
So after that day, it was still hard for me to swallow that, that, that pill that perhaps, at least in this season in my life, that I am not called to full-time ministry. But since then, every day, I found myself trying to become the best child of God that I could be. It's hard work. It's not easy. Sometimes it sucks. I'm like, I have to. You know, part of becoming a child of God is becoming plugged into a local church. Luckily for me, I was already part of Crosspoint, and we have a great community here. Again, we all look different, but somehow we make it work. Somehow we are all this one big conglomerate of, of, of crazy, of wacky, but also loving people. Look around you. you got, these people don't bite. Maybe they're salsas after, but, like, they don't bite. So fast forward to about three years later, the pandemic struck the world. As the world took a step back, I also found myself observing what local churches are doing and what's happening in our local churches. Almost everyone went to online church and we still have our online presence, hello. Um, but man, did the pandemic cause a huge division in churches across the globe? Arguments about what to do and what not to do shattered churches. The separation between church and government once again became a hot topic. Morals of pastors were questioned. And I've even heard like what, this one thing what they were asking, are you for God or have you bowed down to the idol cult of government? Hold on. <laughs> but so... With all that said, I believe that today God is reminding the church, his children, to once again be united. Would you turn with me to the book of Ephesians, um, chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. Um, I'm going to treat this as I always, like I used to. If you have your Bible, open up um, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1 to 3. And if you are there, say, yup. You should all be there because it's like this. Are we there? <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verses 1 to 3. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. And may the Lord God add blessings to the reading of his word. Would you bow down with me? Would you bow your heads with me in prayer as I um, pray for this morning once again? Dear Heavenly Father, we acknowledge um, that we are your child, through the, um, through, um, you are, that we are your adopted children. And we thank you for this great privilege of being called your child, of being called your children. Even right now, Holy Spirit, would you um, ready the hearts of the people that need to hear this message? Would you unite us all with your love? We ask all this in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. So I keep saying, I keep saying this word, united, united, united. What are we united in? God reminds us of our call, first and foremost. Um, before we can talk about our togetherness, however, we must first talk about the greatness of the call 
that God has given us. It will also give us context on our passage this morning. So let's go back to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, where it says, I urge you, this is Apostle Paul speaking or writing, and he was in prison. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. So when I started to take my faith seriously when I was um, in my teenage years, it was always known at us, uh, the church that we went, that we attended, um, that this idea of calling and that it, it means to, that it means for us is to serve the church to our fullest capacity. And although it's not 100% wrong, I took it as my life mission to serve in the church through full-time ministry. I'm like, oh, I have to serve in the church. I have to be a pastor. I have to be this. I have to be, ab- at one point I was in church five days a week. You know, like five days a week, I can barely get here for an hour. I took it as my life mission. I'm like, I have to end up as a pastor, which is how I got to Bible college um, in the first place. And I'm sure that God has used my my understanding then for good as I am here before you today. Um, and I do love Crosspoint, but again, I, I wasn't 100% right when I thought that I had to be a pastor like nothing else, right? This calling actually pertains to the name given to our group. Crosspoint? No, no, no. Christians. Our call as Christians. So what's in the name? What's, what is this? Is there any way to this being called Christians? What comes with being called a Christian is realizing the work that was done for us to deserve that name. Paul showed us a glimpse of the weight of this name for us in, in the first um, few chapters of Ephesians. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4, Paul says that God chose us for himself before the world was created. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 5, we are called to be God's children, heirs of all that the Father has. And you know how rich God is? Very. <laughs> Very. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 7, we are promised that Christ was to break every barrier that man has created through sin and became the very atonement for our trespasses. That we are indeed no longer slaves to fear, that we are indeed no longer slaves to anything. In in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, we are promised that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit preserving us forever Ephesians chapter 2 verse 7 we are uh, we are promised that we get to spend an eternity increasing our joy in the richness of God's grace so we once we die we, we that doesn't mean we stop enjoying God's grace but we get to spend an eternity with him you're like I'm this age and I feel like there's so much more to learn about God and yes and you know what God has promised that if you believe in him, if, if you so love him, and if, and, if, and if you follow him, he promises that, that when you leave this earthly body, you get to spend an eternity enjoying God's grace. And for some of our kids, I remember 30 minutes felt like an eternity. But imagine actual eternity spending it um, with your creator, with the goodness and the greatness of your creator. 
in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 10, we are commissioned. We are, um, we are told, we are, we are given this mission to display God's wisdom to the world and, and the rulers and authorities in the heavenly realms. That's heavy, isn't it? That, yeah, we have this great thing, but we are also commissioned to share it with other people, even people that don't look like us. Living a life worthy of that calling does not mean that we need to earn God's favor over and over again. Don't get me wrong. Remember this. From the very beginning of time, God has loved you. He never stopped loving you. And he never will. Nothing you will ever do will make God love you any more or any less. A life lived worthy of the calling of God means that we live in gratitude for all that Christ has done for us. The focus is not, it's never, never has been on our worth, but the worth of our calling. God has given us this great privilege and many a great promises. He just asks us to live in a way that will not tarnish the call. That we are motivated by gratitude because we are Christians. We are privileged as Christians. We are privileged to get to know our Savior. So when I think about what Christ has done, about, about the weight of, of, of this name, I'm often reminded of the lyrics, it's your breath in our lungs, so we pour out our praise. He has given us so much that out of our lungs we give praise. So now, now that we know that we are united in our call as believers, what does this actually look like? You know, the universal church, very beautiful thing. It has in it people of different ages, of ethnicities, of, of creeds, abilities, talents, different ways of how God speaks to them and how they respond. There are tall people, there are short people, and there are people in between. There are people with common names like Judah and John and Amber and Sarah. And there are people with non-common names like uh, Tinker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Posey. There are long-haired people. There are short-haired people. And there are people with funky hairstyles. But you know what the worst thing the worst thing about the church is the people. <laughs> if you're in a marriage or even in a, in a close friend group, you would know that after some time, these people that we love to love, we're like, we chose them. You're my chosen family. <laughs> after some time, you know this, married people especially, after some time, you're like, there, there are times when you're like, God, I have to love this person. And with gritted teeth and say, I love you. <laughs> Take the youth leaders at Crosspoint, for example. We have in our, in our youth leadership, um, we have an engineer. Um, can you show the next slide, please? Uh, yeah. So in this group of wacky people, we have an engineer. We have a scientist. We have a psychologist. We have a pastor. We have a barista. 
a good one. Um, we have a camp counselor, and we even have a sage. Mix it all together, and it's a sort of a sitcom. No, 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 it's not sort of a sitcom. This motley crew in our day jobs probably wouldn't, couldn't, shouldn't work together. But in our group, because like, listen, in our group, we have a couple of loud and sometimes jaded leaders. We have a couple of leaders who are too quiet. I probably shouldn't look that way. Too quiet. Um, sometimes to the point where we ask each other, are they okay? We have a leader who can sometimes be too smart for the group, and we just look at this person, and we're like, huh? Use five-year-old wisdom. Oh, and to add to that, and to add to that, we work with a group of people who somehow can stink up a room without doing absolutely anything. <laughs> Ask Pastor Amanda. I had, like, one time we had, like, we had our group just hang out in the foyer, and then Amanda, Pastor Amanda's like, it's sunny out, let's go outside. So Zoom, I'm like, they just got here. I'm like, oh my goodness, they just got here. What is that? I went to the, ran to the bathroom. Took the air freshener. I'm like, what is that smell? These people, also, like some of these people, they are, they also have issues that they're trying to figure out on their own. Often, often we ask them, hey, hey, what's wrong? And a lot of them have this one favorite phrase. Teenagers, parents of teenagers, you know their line. Their line is, I don't know. I don't know. Or they, sometimes they won't even say it. They're just like, Ugh. it's just a grunt. Mm. But so what makes us click? What makes us work and not kill each other every week? Sometimes even twice a week. I have to admit, sometimes I don't know. I'm like, why don't I want to kill you yet? <laughs> but most of the time I do know. And it's solely by the grace of God. By the way, kids, how are those blocks and portraits doing? I see a big tower there. Yeah. Any good pictures of me? <gasps> Ooh, I see another one. Any good pictures? Post it on the wall. Post it online if you want. All right, so let's go back to the commands that Paul is saying. What does it look like to be united together? Number one is to be completely humble. Oftentimes, we have negative connotations with the word humility. Uh, what about me? We're like, me first. And we're like, no, it's called an iPhone. My parents were like, no, we bought it. Sorry. Not quite mine. So true Christian humility is recognizing that all that we have and all that we are is due to Christ alone. Humility is not thinking less of yourself, not woe is me, but humility is thinking of yourself less. Humility is not self-dependent, but it is God-dependent. It is not self-seeking, but it is others-serving. Humility that God requires in order for a united church to happen is seeing others on the same ground level as you are. I even saw a quote that, we, that, that humility is, ab is about seeing others on the same murky, murky ground of sin as you are. 
Without humility, pride takes over and we see ourselves as better than other people. We start refusing help. We start refusing discipline. We have this one youth leader, smart as can be, done ministry for a long time, but still they choose to submit to our pastor, to our youth pastor, who is much younger than they are. And still they choose to take time to listen to sometimes not even just stories, but like novels of our teenagers. This person is always willing to learn from others and hear what they have to say. They would off, and they would often be the first to ask, hey, Amanda, is there any way that I could do this better? Humility. The next way that God wants for the church to be united is to be united in gentleness. Bible.org says this about gentleness that God requires. It says the Greek word, it's, it's difficult to translate with a single word. It has the idea of strength under control. Secular writers, uh, it pictures a person who controls, this, who controls his temper and does not retaliate or seek revenge. Secular writers use it of tamed animals. A horse, but a tamed one, is a very, very strong and powerful animal. But it is completely obedient to the tug of the master on the reins. Being gentle means it does, you do not take easily offense to discipline, or you, and it is not easily provoked. Paul also exhorts us to be patient with one another. You know what saying I don't like is when people go, I ask God for patience, so he gives me a hard time. Or something like that. Like, personally, if that is the God that you believe in, one, is, one that is very sarcastic, like the genie from Aladdin, like, I don't want to believe in that God that you believe in. I don't think that's how God works with patience. You see, patience goes hand in hand with humility and gentleness in that when we realize that we are flawed beings, it should come naturally that we continually forgive others and be patient with them. Even if it means having to count from one to ten in your head. Walking away, one, two, three. And then again, am I so patient with that person? No, count to ten again and again. The church is diverse, and that's a beautiful thing, but said diversity of people do not only come with positive differences, but also negative ones. Come as you are, bulletins in churches should also know that people who come to Christ are people learning to deal with their sins. They're, they're learning to, to give it away. They're learning to get rid of it. And most of the time, like, reality's sake like in all reality it takes forever for some people to get over their pet sins and so be patient with them pull them in the right direction tell them they're wrong kick them sometimes but be patient in doing so we're also called to bear with one another in love this means to be responsible for another person again and again and again it means to hold oneself up against or to put, to put up with again and again and again. 
there's a phrase in Tagalog um, that reminds me of this. It's, that it, it's kapit gitig, which literally means to link arms, to link arms with one another. Yes, other people can sometimes be repetitive in their wrongdoings and ignorance. Trust me, I work customer service. But continue to bear with one another. Again, yes, correct them when they are sin. Correct them when they're being dumb. But also, still hold on to them. High School Musical, we're all in this together. Right? Again, I work for customer service, and if I have a dollar for every time people try to order from the place where we make drinks, while there's a clear line to go on the till so they can so we can get their money, I would be rich. Bear with one another. Hebrews 10, chap, uh, chapter 10, verse 24, the author also exhorts us to stir up one another to love and good works. It doesn't mean just to tolerate people. It means to be like, hey, you're being dumb. Let's walk this way. Hey, you're still doing that? Okay, but when will you? Can I help you with anything? Let's go walk in the righteousness of God. Never tire, people. Never tire in, in, in correcting one another in love. It may take a stupid long time, but it is for the good of the church. It is, I mean, you guys are, are with each other every single Sunday. You might as well try to better each other, right? Hello? Good. I, think, I love it when I'm hearing answers. Now, so now what, Kincaid? Now what? Why, is, why, is, why do you talk about, so, about unity so much? And why do you think it's so important to God or to the body of Christ? Ephesians chapter, three, uh, chapter 4 verse 3 commands us to make every effort. Make every effort. And, and this, the, the Apostle Paul, he says he, he was pleading with us to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Notice how the Apostle Paul, even in Greek, he, he writes, keep the unity of the Spirit, to keep it. Notice how he didn't say make unity or to produce unity or make it up as you go. No, no, the Holy Spirit, is, he knows that the Holy Spirit is there, holding us all together. And he's just saying, guys, keep it up. Keep it held together. In a marriage, you guys just, you guys don't just get married and like, okay, that's it, cool. You guys have to work on it, right? Every single day, every single minute, sometimes seconds. I know I'm like that with my friends. I'm like, what? Oh, I'm choosing to love. I'm choosing to love. God, it's so hard. I'm choosing to love. I'm choosing to love. I'm choosing to love. But do you guys get what I mean? Keep the unity of the spirit. And it's also important for the body because that's what the head of the body, that is Jesus Christ, wants to happen. The, the, the body must follow the head, right? In the same way that the triune God is united, we are also to be united. Three distinct persons, but one. This drove my, the, youth, the, the youth this year mad. They're like, how? Do, three, per, three distinct persons, but one. We are we Christians. We are all very different from from one another, but we are called to be one. 
And we are to continue to serve and bear with one another until Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 says, we un- until we attain to the whole measure of the fullness of God. See, hey, non-Christian needs work for you. We have to continue to do it until Jesus Christ comes again. Until we reach the fullness of the maturity. And when will we be mature? When we see our creator. We're like, oh, yes. So look around you. No, literally, look around you. These are just people that you have to bear with. Might as well enjoy their company. This is, again, this, this also has been God's plan all along. God the Father chose us from before the world began and meant for us to be united. Jesus, on the Garden of Gethsemane, on the night that he was betrayed and eventually suffered and died on the cross, pleaded with the Father for the unity of all believers. Don't believe me? John chapter 17, verses 21 to 23. This is Jesus. After the supper, after washing of the disciples' feet. He prayed for his disciples, yeah, but he also prayed for his believers. John chapter 17, verse 21, he prays, Jesus prays that all of them, all of you guys, all of us, may be one. Father, just as you are in me and I am in you, may they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete, what is the word? To complete unity. To let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus' prayer for us was so intense before the cross that he ended up sweating blood. This is how serious Jesus was about the unity of the church. And so when Jesus left to be with the Father, the Holy Spirit was sent to make this unity happen. And you know what happened? It happened. It happened. And so finally, it is important for the body of Christ to be united so that the world will see God. We all know the verse, John chapter 13, verse 35. By all this, all men will know you are my disciples if you love one another. We're Christians. We know how to love. It's embedded in us. But go back one verse to verse 34 where Jesus says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. Love one another. Be united with one another as I have loved you. A reminder of how Jesus loved is Jesus loved radically. His way of loving was something else. And so our way of loving, our way of being united with our brothers and sisters in Christ should also be on the same level. Pastor David Schrock said that the gospel unites racists and the, race and the racial activists. It unites killers and victims. It unites the self-righteous and the wanton sinner. And it conjoins the church and the unchurched. Jesus calls the body of Christ, the local churches. Jesus is calling Crosspoint to lay down their privileges, to lay down their lives, to lay down every single bit of ego that they may have. We are being called to love 
the, the oldest to the youngest, the widows and the widowers, heck, maybe even the LGBTQ community. We are called to love the disabled, the mentally ill, the lonely, the brokenhearted. Guys, look around. The church is filled with broken people. So Jesus says, care for them, love them, bear with them, cry with them. Then the world will see this unity and they, at the very least, are going to say, where is this love coming from? Oftentimes at work, people will ask me, even my friends, like, Gabe, why do you love kids so much? I don't, <laughs> but only to the love of Christ am I able to. Just kidding, that's a lie. I want to be a dad. But like, but you know what I mean? See people as they are and not for what they look like or not for how they sin. Because don't you guys sin too? Here's my challenge for you guys. Older folks, um, pe people who are Gen X or older, Surprise the world by asking yourself, what have I done lately to welcome the next generation that my generation has prayed for? You know, growing up, we're like, we pray, can we get all the kids to the front? We'll pray for the next generation. So what have we done lately for them? Millennials, let's maybe ask ourselves, is talking on the phone that daunting of a task? That we can't pick it up, perhaps with older members of our family wanting to talk? For me, the answer is yes. But I have to, I have to, I have to. Gen Zs. Here's maybe, oh my goodness, I hate saying this. Why did I write this? Here's a TikTok trend that you can start. <laughs> Walking up to an older person in the church and ask them to tell you something cool about themselves. You guys have stories, older people have crazier stories. And parents of Zoom babies, how can we help them to socialize with the generations above them? Maybe show them that babies aren't that bad? I promise I'm ending. I've said this, I've said this in my previous message in July this year. The church is made up of billions of people and yes, it's hard to do life with them because we are all so different. And that's a good thing. Again, different is good. But with all differences come with one unifying factor. The Sunday school answer. What's the answer? Jesus. Jesus. In him, through him, all things are possible. Let me end this today's sermon um, by praying for you guys. Um, and and you, I'm going to ask us all to um, pray with me. I'm praying this, the prayer of the Apostle Paul to the Ephesians. Let's pray. For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom his whole family in heaven and on earth derives descend. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through the spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, 
becoming, being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. And now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever and all God's people said Hey, and welcome back. Thanks for listening to this Sunday's message. We hope that we've helped you in your spiritual journey and that you're drawing closer to God. At Crosspoint, we gather on Sundays at 10 a.m. in Northeast Edmonton and throughout the week in something we love to call home groups. Home groups are encouraging and transformational communities for people just like you. We believe that the journey of faith is done together. So we hope that you'll connect with us at thecrosspointchurch.ca. Now, let me remind you of who you are. You are the people of God, called by God into his redemptive mission in the world. So be who you are.